Okay, well, very good to see everybody out, and uh, mighty glad to have the occasion, opportunity to be out once again uh, with the people of God to worship and to study. And we invite you to get your Bibles, follow along, and uh, look uh, as we open the Word of the Lord, and we hope that our time together will be profitable and beneficial. And uh, we begin our study in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning there in verse 13, it says, I give you charge in the sight of God who brings all things to life and before Jesus Christ, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that you keep this commandment without spot and uh, irreproachable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his time shall show who is the blessed and only pontitate, the King of kings, and Lord of Lords. In that verse 16, I want to look at that phrase and use that as the title and the springboard for our lesson, the King of Kings. And that's our topic tonight is to talk about the King of Kings and just sort of give the broad scope of the presentation of the King of Kings in the scriptures. We talk about the King of Kings, we begin with the king that he was prophesied to come. It was no surprise, it wasn't something that just so. Oh, you know, kind of an afterthought. No, it was well planned out and prophesied for the king to come. We begin in the book of Genesis chapter 49. Here we have Joseph, uh, I mean, uh, 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 Jacob uh, giving various uh, pronouncements upon the various, uh, his sons. And of Judah, he says this in Genesis 49, verses 9 and 10. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Now, the scepter was the ruling staff, and so representative of a king. And so it would be that the king, ultimately King David, and then, of course, down through the descendants of David, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, which is an epithet of uh, the Messiah, and the word Shiloh, it is suggested it means tranquility. And Jesus, the Messiah, is the one that would bring tranquility and bring harmony between the, uh, the enemies, that is humanity, and bring peace, of course, uh, in the sight of God. And in him shall the gathering of the people be. And so here's one of the first prophecies of the king that is to come. There are other prophecies of the Messiah, but specifically uh, the concept of being a king. And then we turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. David is king. And uh, uh, we have the prophet come. And uh, Nathan has several things to say. And so it says in verse 12, And when your days shall be fulfilled, you shall sleep with your fathers. And I will set up your offspring after you, uh, who shall proceed out of, his own out of your own body. And I will establish his kingdom. And so here... And this begins, the, the connection with David, and after this point, you'll find throughout the prophets, uh, the David that was to come, that is, the descendant of David, who was going to uh, set upon the throne of his father David. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. It says, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of, of men and with the stripes of uh, the children of men. But by my mercy shall not depart. But my mercy shall not depart, depart away from him, as I took uh, it from Saul, whom I put away from you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever. Before your throne uh, shall be established forever. 
And so one who would come down in the lineage through David was to set upon the throne of David and would be king. You look in Isaiah chapter 9. Look over there in Isaiah chapter 9 there. In verses 6 and 7, it says, For unto you a child is born, and unto you a son is given. The government, government, ideal rulership and, uh, and uh, of kingship ultimately is, is going to be described, uh, shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the what? The throne of David. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish uh, with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever and ever. The zeal of Jehovah hosts will perform it. And so the nature of this king, that he would rule and reign in justice and righteousness. And uh, that's what, of course, ultimately we enjoy in Christ Jesus. And then one more text over there in the book of Zechariah. In the book of Zechariah chapter 6. In Zechariah chapter 6 verses 12 and 13. And speak unto him saying, uh, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. That ties back into Jeremiah, where the, where the, where the, law, uh, the, um, the family tree of David, as it were, the, the royal line was cut off with Jeconiah. And then it would sprout back out through Christ Jesus. He would be that branch of the royal tree once again flourishing when Jesus ultimately come. And he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Uh, even, uh, even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and he, uh, he, shall, sit upon, he shall sit and rule upon the throne. Okay, he's going to sit upon the throne. And he shall be a priest upon his throne. So he would serve two purposes. That is, he would be a priest and he would be a king. Now, we have some that say, well, you know, this is not really yet fulfilled because there was a delay because of the rejection of, of Jesus by the Jews. And so, you know, the prophetic clock sort of stopped uh, and the future millennium, well, it's going to start again and he's actually going to take a hold of this rule. Well, it can't be because he would be a priest upon his throne. And if Jesus is not king now, he is not priest now. And if he's not priest now, we have no forgiveness because the priesthood of Christ brings our forgiveness. But he is priest and he is king. And so the priest was prophesied uh, and the king was prophesied to come. And then ultimately, when the time was fulfilled and the fullness of time, the king would be born. Notice in the book of Galatians chapter 4, in Galatians chapter 4, and in verse 4 it says, But when the fullness of time was come, as God foresee from, from ages past, looking down the stream of time to see this king that would come. And when everything was fulfilled and the time was right, yes, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. And Jesus would be born. And it would be a special birth. Because you look in Luke chapter 1, there was promises made to Mary. Notice over there in Luke, the first chapter, in Luke chapter 1, and dropping down to number 26, uh, Gabriel speaks to Mary. And the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, uh, called or named uh, Nazareth. 
Uh, it says, to a virgin and spouse to a man whose name was Joseph in the house, uh, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered in her mind what manner of greeting this should be. I mean, it's pretty unusual. I mean, you're just going along one day and all of a sudden this, this angel shows up and saying these things and she's like kind of scratching her head, figuring on that. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David because he is a descendant of David. Because his legal father, that is Joseph, was a descendant of David. And Mary, by blood connection, was a descendant of David. So whether you want to look at Jesus from the legal standpoint, from the supposed father, or from the bloodline, he is a descendant of David. And that's why you have the differences in the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3 there. But it says, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. And of course, Mary, she says, well, you know, I've not really known anybody. And uh, because she was a virgin, and I just don't know how that is. And they said, hey, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and it's going to be a miraculous conception. And so a very special kind of birth. And then after nine months, after the uh, normal pregnancy, the child was born. Look over into the second chapter of the book of Luke there, beginning in verse 8. Well, let's, begin, let's back up verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, uh, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the, uh, the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were much afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings, great news, and great, of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city, of, uh, the city of David, that is Bethlehem, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So this king was prophesied throughout the centuries, throughout the Old Testament, Ultimately, the fullness of time came by a miraculous uh, event. Mary conceived the young virgin. Nine months later, the child is born. And he grows up like other children, becomes a man. He enters into the ministry and to the service of the Lord. And he is baptized, as we read in Matthew chapter 3. And for a period of about three years, he's around about teaching. His popularity swells. He does a lot of good. But then things begin to change and the tide of public opinion is against him. And because of the persuasive influence of the Jews and various events, they decide to do it in for him. And the king was crucified. Let's look there in John, the 18th chapter, and notice what they did to the King of kings and Lord of lords. In John, the 18th chapter there, notice there beginning in number 33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Are you king of the Jews? And yes, he was king of the Jews. And Jesus answered him, Say you this, uh, this thing of yourself, or did others tell it uh, to you of me? 
And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you unto me. Uh, what, uh, uh, what have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not, a, is not from here. It wasn't an earthly kingdom. He is king of kings and lord of lords, but not to set upon a king, upon a throne as king in Jerusalem on planet earth, but from heavenly Jerusalem is where he will set upon the throne. And so he goes on, it goes on to say there, uh, in verse 37, Pilate therefore, uh, uh, oh, uh, yeah, Pilate said uh, therefore unto you, are you a king? And he answered, you say that I am king, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth uh, hears my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and said unto them, I find no fault at all in him. But you have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Uh, will you, therefore, that I re release unto you the king of the Jews? And they cried, uh, and they, uh, then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. He was a troublemaker. He was a murderer. He was a, a, a troublemaking uh, murderer and thief. And that's who they chose instead of Jesus. Move on into chapter uh, 19. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it upon his head, and they put it upon uh, him a purple robe, and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands, making fun, making light of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because they didn't really believe that he was a king. He didn't look like a king. And then let's drop on down there in number 12 of John chapter 19. In verse 12, And from there on Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whosoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Then Pilate therefore heard that saying. He brought Jesus uh, forth and sat down in the judgment uh, seat uh, in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. Verse 14. And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour. And he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said unto him, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him, therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took away Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth unto the place that is uh, called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. And when they crucified him, and two others with him on the other side, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it upon the cross. And the title was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And so there they nailed him to this Roman cross. And there they crucified him and allowed him to die. Drop on down in number 30 now. In verse 30, after about uh, three hours or so, when Pilate therefore had uh, when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his, gave up his spirit. The king dies. And you think, is that the end of the story? If that was the end of the story, it would be pretty, pretty sad. But it's not the end of the story. 
Because when we talk about the king of kings, there's something special happened. The third day afterward, early on a Sunday morning, the king is raised up. The king is raised from the dead. Let's notice there in Matthew, the 28th chapter. In Matthew chapter 28, and at the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone, the stone uh, from the door that sat upon him. And his countenance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, go, he goes before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. And they parted quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring the disciples' word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by his feet and worshipped him. Yeah, this king was prophesied. The fullness of time the king was born. They crucified this king. The king died. But on that early Sunday morning, he arose from the dead. And for about 40 days, he showed himself with many infallible proofs, Luke records for us. Showing himself with all the senses. They saw that Jesus arose from the dead. They saw him with his eyes. They heard him with his ears. They handled the word of the life. They ate with him. And so you have the sense of smell and the sense of taste. They interchanged with him for these 40 days. And then when you read in Acts chapter 1, the king ascended back on high. And what happened then? He was coronated as king of kings and lord of lords. You have Acts chapter 1, where we read about Jesus ascending back on high and taken up in a cloud, and the disciples are just watching as he floats up into, up into the sky and taken away, and the angel speaks. And that was 40 days. The day of Pentecost would be in Acts chapter 2, and that was 50 days after his resurrection. So there's that 10-day period, and we have the coronation of the king. Look over there in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel chapter 7 there. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Daniel in the prophecy says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. Now, I want you to notice that. The Ancient of Days, that's, that's a reference to God. That's God the Father. And the Son of Man, it says that He came to the Ancient of Days. Now, premillennial theology, He comes from the Ancient of Days in the establishment of His kingdom and being coronated as king, etc. And it's not so. It's when He went to the Ancient of Days, it describes, uh, there in verse 13, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and kingdom and all, uh, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. He comes to the Ancient of Days and there is great celebration and honor of giving him this kingdom, this rule, this dominion, this power. And uh, that happens there in heaven. 
In Revelation chapter 5, well, you got Revelation chapter 4, you have God upon the throne pictured. And then John sees in this vision there, <clears throat> there in chapter 5, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, which would be God the Father, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? That is the great plan of God. The great scheme of redemption. Of God's plan for the ages. Who's able? Verse 3, And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereupon. And then it says, uh, John says, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open uh, to open and to read the book, neither to look therein. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. Genesis chapter 49. The root of David. 2 Samuel chapter 7, etc., etc., and all the other tons of passages of the root of David. Hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the, uh, loose the uh, seven seals thereof. Jesus is coronated as King of kings and Lord of lords. And beginning in Acts chapter 2, He is proclaimed as Lord. He is proclaimed as King. And the kingdom has been in existence. And the rule of Christ, the reigning of Christ, this King of kings, has been preached and proclaimed. And we have several passages that affirms the fact of the rule of Christ. Colossians chapter 1. Look there in the book of Colossians chapter 1, number 13. In Colossians chapter 1 and down in number 13, it says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us or transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, if the kingdom had not been established, if the kingdom was not in existence, as many of our premillennial friends will say, well, how could the Colossians be, brethren, be transferred into something that wasn't existing? Well, the fact is that the kingdom was established and Jesus was coronated and people did enter the kingdom in the first century and it was in existence as we see there in Colossians chapter 1. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 there. In Hebrews chapter 12, down in verse 28, Wherefore we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly, and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Yes, we have received the kingdom, the rule of God in our hearts, because Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is now ruling and has been ruling for almost 2,000 years in the special uh, kingdom that God established, the one who's the son of David that was prophesied, that was to come. And then look there in Revelation chapter 17. In Revelation chapter 17... And down in number 14, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is Lord of lords, and King of kings. That's where we began in 1 Timothy. And they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. So those that are with Christ, we rule and reign in righteousness with Him, because we have been ushered into this glorious kingdom. Yes, the King of kings. One other thing when we talk about the king of kings described in the scriptures. The king of kings is coming. He's coming a second time. Notice there in the gospel of John. In the gospel of John chapter 14. 
In John chapter 14 and in verse 3, Jesus said, oh, let me read verse 2 also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus ascended back on high. He's gone to prepare a place. And what did he say? I will come again. That promise hadn't been fulfilled yet. We're waiting for that promise. Could be any day now. Might be. 2021 is the year of the return of our Lord. It might be 2022. It might be year 2100. I don't know. Nobody knows. We don't know if it's near. We don't know if it's far away. But we know that he's coming. That is for sure. That is promise. And when he comes again, he's not going to come as the little babe in Bethlehem. He's not going to come in humility and lowliness like he came the first time. Being born, laid in a manger, out in a barn somewhere. It's not going to be like that. No, when he comes the second time. He's coming in full regal power. He's coming in glory. All the holy angels are coming with him, which according to Revelation chapter 5, there's over, well, John heard the number, 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million plus thousands of thousands. So over 100 million angels are coming with him. All the holy angels are coming with him. And notice there in Matthew chapter 25, it describes this glorious return of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, not coming in his humility like first time, and all the holy angels with him, not some of them, but all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. They're not coming in humiliation, not coming in uh, humility uh, 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 and uh, uh, in humbleness. No, he, he's coming in his glory, sitting upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. And so this is the great day of judgment that's going to involve the resurrection, that's going to involve the translation of the living, gathering all people before him, he is going to destroy and the earth and the works that are their hands are all going to be burned up as, as no need for that. He's going to usher us into eternity future in this glorious return when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes the second time. It will be a great day. It will be a wonderful day for the sheep. Because look at verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That, that's glorious. That is fantastic. That, that is glory that shall be for his people, for the faithful, for those who are the sheep, the followers of God. And it will be a horrible day, a terrible day, a tragic day for the goats, for the stubborn, for those on the left hand. Look at verse 41. Then shall he say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. 
in verse 46, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. Yeah, Jesus is coming again. The King is coming. And the question is, are we ready for His coming? Have we made the preparations for His coming? And we can. How's that? Well, by obeying the gospel. Stepping out on the promises of God. We can make ourselves ready for the coming of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it will be a great day, a wonderful day for the saved. So have you bowed your knee to the king? Bowing the knee is, is the idea of submitting to the king, of submitting your will to the King of kings and Lord of lords, to bow your will to the King of kings and Lord of lords. We do it by hearing this glorious gospel, this great news, this fantastic news that salvation is in Christ Jesus. That He is King of kings, that He is priest and prophet, and that we can enjoy all the blessings that He provides for us that are described in the Scripture if we'll believe in Him. Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Would we be willing to repent? God commands all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17, and verse 30. Would we be willing to confess our faith, just like the eunuch did in Acts chapter 8, the example that is given there? And would we be willing to be baptized? You could obey the gospel. This morning after the services at Pine Top, uh, Terry Edwards, uh, Nathan and Terry's uh, oldest daughter, she obeyed the gospel. It, it was great to be there and to see somebody obeying the gospel. It's always great to see somebody uh, render their will to the will of God. And you could do that even tonight also. Things are ready. God is ready. Jesus is ready. We're ready to help you uh, and assist you to obey the gospel. And if that would be your desire, we can help you. And when you come up out of that water grave back here, you're going to be baptized into Christ, into a new relationship. And just, just begin serving God and growing in His grace and knowledge. And just keep serving the Lord. So when the great King of kings and Lord of lords shall return, you'll be ready and you'll be ushered into the eternal kingdom, to the eternal, the eternal home of the blessed, of the saved, and that is a home in heaven. And if you're a Christian, you've not been what you ought to be, you need to come back. Second law of pardons describe in Acts chapter 8 and verse 22 to repent and pray God for forgiveness. We're going to sing this song to your encouragement. If there's one here that needs to obey the gospel, we can help in any way. We stand ready. We are ready to help you to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. The question is, oh, why not tonight? Yeah, tonight is a good night because we're alive, the world's standing, and you can obey. If we can help you, you come and let us know while together as we stand and as we sing.